Hey everyone and welcome to the podcast of the 21st century. This is the show where we talk about everything from music, movies and pop culture to gaming and tech. Today's episode is mostly going to be about Microsoft purchasing Activision, Bing and ChatGPT, Ford and its new truck and a mini PC for working from home. So sit back and enjoy the show. So Microsoft has Activision. Now what? In 1979, a group of disgruntled Atari employees decided to quit and create their own company. Activision was the world's first third-party game development company, producing and publishing titles for other companies' platforms. Fast forward 43 years and the company that is now Activision Blizzard has been bought over by one of the major platform owners in history, Microsoft, for a blistering 68.7 billion US dollars. This is the largest sale in the history of the video game industry. The sale is also massive in terms of the game franchises Microsoft now has control over. It now owns blockbuster franchises such as Call of Duty, Diablo, StarCraft, Candy Crush and World of Warcraft. And tens of millions of fans of these titles will now be wondering what does this change in ownership mean for them. So why now? Big dollar acquisitions aren't new in the video game industry. Activision Blizzard itself became one of the largest video game companies in 2008 when Activision merged with Blizzard in an $18.9 billion deal. Both Microsoft and Sony regularly buy pre-existing development studios to take over their intellectual properties and make them available exclusively on their platforms. But Microsoft has become particularly aggressive in its approach. Good alone, it has made a number of high-profile purchases, including the Minecraft developer Mojang in 2014 for $2.5 billion, and Elder Scrolls and Doom publisher Zenimax in 2020 for $7.5 billion. With the Activision Blizzard acquisition, Microsoft is now the third largest company in the industry behind Tencent and Sony. This is all part of Microsoft's current video game business strategy, which is less about selling the products and more about increasing subscriptions to its Game Pass service. Similar to services like Netflix and Spotify, Game Pass gives subscribers access to a massive digital catalogue of games in exchange for a monthly fee. In its announcement of the Activision Blizzard purchase, Microsoft also boasted Game Pass has surpassed 25 million users, with each user paying $16 a month, that's about $400 million in monthly revenue. With Activision Blizzard, Microsoft now owns a huge new range of franchises it can make available through Game Pass, attracting even more users. If it wanted, Microsoft might even make these franchises only available through Game Pass, forcing customers away from other consoles like PlayStation and distribution platforms like Steam. In other words, it could pull consumers into its own exclusive sphere. This is now a common strategy. Now through subscription-based digital platforms, we have all stopped being owners of products and instead have become renters. This is also true of individual video games such as Call of Duty, Hearthstone, Fortnite and many others. They are no longer games that players purchase once, but they are instead their own ecosystems in which players are encouraged to continuously spend money on battle passes, cosmetics and access to new content. With the purchase of Activision Blizzard, Microsoft has effectively purchased a city of existing renters in the player ecosystems of Call of Duty, Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, and many other titles. That's tens of millions of players already committed to closed ecosystems, including many in the difficult-to-penetrate Chinese market, playing Blizzard titles, Hearthstone, and World of Warcraft. 
All of these players can be farmed for more personal data and more rent. So what does it mean for players and developers? Probably not a whole lot. Over the coming years, however, Microsoft might decide to keep more of these newly acquired franchises for its own platforms. For a PC player, this might simply mean having to transition away from Steam to the Microsoft Game Store if they wanted to access the franchises. An inconvenience, but hardly a radical change. For PlayStation and Mac players, the situation could be more dire, and they might want to find themselves having to purchase a PC or Xbox if they wanted to play new entries to these franchises in the future. Some are also worried ongoing giant mergers will stifle creativity and innovation across the video game industry. But this is unlikely, since the bulk of the revenue generated by the industry has always been concentrated in a relatively small number of risk-adverse companies. In spite of this concentration of capital, the creativity and innovation that produces new genres almost always emerges at the periphery in much smaller, independent groups working with far fewer resources. The explosion of new and diverse genres we've seen over the past decade occurred in large part because independent creators are now able to access far more powerful tools such as game engines, Unity and Unreal and greater audiences through digital marketplaces such as Steam or Xbox Game Pass. The situation is far from ideal, but the companies that control most of the capital in the video game industry, and the companies that are most innovative, have really been the same. So this latest acquisition is unlikely to stifle creativity. Perhaps this is the important question coming out of the recent sale. Not which piece of hardware will gain access to to which games, but whether Microsoft will take responsibility for improving the work culture and working conditions for game developers. We'll have to wait and see. Our next two topics are a brief look at the Minis Forum HC560 PC and a little segment about Bing and ChatGPT and what are the plans for Microsoft trying to buy ChatGPT potentially. Those are our next two topics. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far and enjoy the rest of the show. So the Minis Forum HC560 PC. Those of us who work from home can sometimes feel lonely and video conferencing is the only time when remote workers will see and interact with fellow employees. That's where a webcam comes into play. Now an unknown computer vendor, CoolFun, which seems to be a sister company of Minis Forum, has come up with a mini PC with a built-in camera. It's not the first to have one. The other one was the Sinovo King Kong and T95C1. But it is by far the most powerful and best looking attempt yet. The MC560 costs less than $400 on Amazon and punches well above its weight thanks to a combination of clever component choices and unique features. Start with the components. There is a 6-core, 12-thread AMD Ryzen 5 5625U teamed up with 
32GB of DDR5 memory in dual-channel configuration and a 512GB PCIe 3.0 SSD. Connectivity options include Wi-Fi 6, a 2.5GB Ethernet LAN port, an HDMI connector, an audio port, Bluetooth 5.2, three USB ports, and yes, it can run two 4K monitors. There's no card reader in the PC itself and is, is not upgradable. Windows 11 Pro helps power the MC560 and is welcome surprise positioning. It is clearly a business PC. Feature-wise, the integrated 2.5K 5-megapixel HDR webcam steals the show. Not only does it have two microphones running alongside it, it also has a tiltable base offering extra flexibility. A pair of 3-watt speakers complement this exciting multimedia offering. The MC560 is honestly a very good PC, well, at least on paper. The brand doesn't have the cachet of bigger names like Dell, Lenovo, or HP, and if after-sales and support is what you're after, especially if you're a prosumer, business, freelancer, hustler, or someone with a side gig, it might be worth looking elsewhere. It is small enough and well-designed to adorn a contemporary office without looking out of place next to a business monitor. It is powerful enough for most end-user business or professional tasks, from email to image editing, even when used as a thin client or budget workstation PC. Alternatively, its webcam has near 94 degrees viewing angle, which makes it a great fit for meeting rooms and team huddles. As swapping it for a laptop, you'd be hard-pressed to find any notebook with this configuration and high-res camera. Connectivity from the Mini's Forum MC560 combination mini PC and projector take the form of a single HDMI 2.0 4K at 60Hz port, USB 3.2 Gen 1 Type-C, dual USB 3.2 Gen 2 Type-A connections, together with a single RJ45 gigabit Ethernet connection, 3.5mm combo jack and DC19 volt power input. In my opinion, I haven't been able to really try this PC, as I've honestly never heard of it, but on paper, it looks to be a quite a good PC. But I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. So that was the specs of the Minis Forum MC560 combination mini PC and projector. So going back to Microsoft, they've pushed hard and fast to get the new and improved AI-powered Bing out there to consumers, and it seems like all that hard work and light badgering of users may have paid off. As of now, it seems Bing is gaining new users while Google is seeing a small drop. According to Reuters, Microsoft is seeing an increase of about 16% in page visits since Bing launched its ChatGPT-powered new Bing experience. Microsoft confirmed earlier that this month that it has now reached an estimated 100 million active users and that number is likely to continue in an upward momentum as more people get comfortable or at least cautiously acquainted with AI chatbots. Microsoft launched the Enhanced Bing in early February and has since then seen a 15.8% boost in page visits according to the data which could suggest a sliver of success in Microsoft's painstaking journey to pull users away from Google and its absolute dominance in the search engine sphere. 
The analysis is that we don't need to take Google out behind the barn just yet. Reuters points out that the drop in Google's numbers is about 1% for the same time period that is obviously not a massive hit. But it does represent a significant number of people given Google's huge popularity. We can see this trend in terms of mobile downloads as well, with the Bing app seeing 8 times more downloads compared to pre-GPT times, while Google's dropped about 2%. We can see from this that there's a slow, small shift between the two search engines' normal dynamics that we won't be rushing to call it the death of Google anytime soon. Microsoft is enjoying this newfound interest in its product, a refreshing change from its annoying, almost pathetic banners in the Edge browser demanding you not to download Chrome. And it's seen its own string of issues with Bing AI before reaching its current level of popularity. So it's safe to say Google might have to go through these AI-related speed bumps too before it catches up. Regardless, Google hasn't taken things lying down. The company has just launched Bard, its own AI chatbot, and has big plans to integrate it with other products like Google Workspaces. Bard did pretty well in our first hands-on with the products upon launch, and will hopefully rise to the occasion to find its footing in the AI world. Our next topic is on how Ford has been teasing the new Millennium Falcon-like electric truck codenamed Project T3. Ford provided an update on Friday on the construction of its massive new EV manufacturing complex in the western Tennessee, where it says it will build its next electric truck codenamed Project T3. The so-called Blue Oval City campus won't come online until 2025, but when it does, Ford has said it would be a mega campus that houses a vehicle production facility for Ford's F-Series pickup trucks and a battery assembly division. Now the company says it will also serve as the main production line for its next electric truck. Details are still scarce, but the truck will sit alongside an electric Europe-only Ford Explorer as well as the automaker's Mustang Mach-E F-150 Lightning and e-transit van. As Ford's family of electric vehicles begins to fill out by the midpoint of the decade. Project T3 is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to revolutionize America's truck, Ford CEO and President Jim Farley said in a statement. We are melding 100 years of Ford truck know-how with world-class electric vehicle, software, and aerodynamics talent. It will be a platform for endless innovation and capability, he continued. While the F-150 Lightning is nearly identical to its namesake, the F-150, the new truck is expected to be more of a departure for Ford, both with regard to design and performance. Specifically, there will be active and deployable aero, according to comments made by Farley in a 2022 podcast interview. Improved efficiency will likely translate into longer range. The F-150 Lightning is capable of up to 320 miles, while the Project T3 truck could go as far as 400 miles on a single charge. 
PJ O'Rourke once described the American pickups as a back porch with an engine attached, while this new truck is going to be like the Millennium Falcon with the back porch attached, Farley said in a press release this week. Meanwhile, the production of the F-150 Lightning is on track to triple this year with Ford targeting an annual production run rate of 150,000 by the end of 2023. The company is investing $2 billion across three plants in Michigan to boost production for the electric truck. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the 21st Century Podcast. If you would like to suggest some topics, you can follow me on Instagram. The link will be in the description below. And you can message me and give me your suggestions. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'll see you next week. Bye.